Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 247 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, second technician, Fozza Forrester, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder, parked in the Orange Sidewinder bar, somewhere between Lave Station and the wonderful star and planet of Lave, we have... Head of Health and Safety, Mr. Ben Moss Woodward. I'm looking for things. Apparently, we're doing a pub quiz tonight, Foz. Did you know this? I'm always good for. I'm always down for a good pub quiz. Got no Excellent. issue with uh, no issue with doing a quick pub quiz. Let's be fair. There's not a lot of uh, not a lot of dev news, so we can definitely do uh, do a pub quiz towards the end if that's what people wanted to do. But also, let's check and see who else we would have on uh, on the show that might be able to uh, help us out with a pub quiz. We've got Commander Phoenix Defire, otherwise known as Colin Ford. What are you like at pub quizzes? I am absolutely terrible and. Unless it's about ancient space sims. <laughs> All right. Well, you never know. Considering the sort of questions that Ben might come up with, it, it, there might be a few of those just scattered around. Commander Shan, welcome to the show. What are you like, pub quizzes? Depends on the topic. Well, what, what's your topic of choice? What would be your mastermind subject? Guild Wars 2. <laughs> <laughs> and and Salt. Yeah, Guild, and Guild, Wars, Guild Wars 2, Salt and Brexit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear and we have the wonderful uh commander souverain what's your pub quiz uh best topic probably books i reckon mm, okay are we talking like uh, lady chatley's lover here or are we talking about you know the minecraft compendium what sort of uh, books are we talking about <laughs> probably slightly more the former in that i've never <laughs> never played um minecraft but, but you um... have read lady chatley's lover is that what you're saying <laughs> i have read lady chatley's lover <laughs> great <laughs> oh brilliant and as we have a uh, we have a special guest uh, with us because obviously the wonderful LaveCon event is getting ever closer and closer and who better to jump on the show very briefly and give us a quick update as to what's going on than the main organizer and let's just be honest the grand high poobah of all things LaveCon Karen has jumped on hello Karen hello I'm, obviously I'm... apart from sorry Karen I was gonna say apart from LaveCon being your mastermind uh, subject <laughs> what would be your uh, your pub quiz speciality no honestly i suck at pub quizzes i'm like the last person you ever want on a team i could maybe do something really niche like science fiction and fantasy released by british authors in the last five years wow okay yeah. well i mean that's, don't get me wrong it's a good mastermind subject not a great pub quiz subject no no as i said i suck i'm afraid <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. Well, I mean, welcome to the show, Karen. I know you haven't got long to uh, to spend with us, but it's uh, it's a joy having you on. I think probably let's uh, let's kick off so that you can actually have some of your evening back to you and give us a quick update on uh, on what's happening with LaveCon 2019. Oh my goodness, it's a month away. Who? Oh! who how did that happen? <laughs> ah, panic, panic. Some sort of swirly thing alert. Honestly, <laughs> but um, despite that. Despite the fact that I feel slightly frazzled by the timescale, we are, of course, on track to have a brilliant event, as usual. Um, and, of course, what makes it brilliant is all of the commanders and community who come along and have a wonderful time. So, you know, they are absolutely the centre of our, our event, They're the reason why we do it. So that's all good. So hopefully lots of people, well, people have brought tickets. One assumes they're going to turn up, so that'd be nice. So lots of wonderful people, of course, including some wonderful people from the lovely Frontier team are coming along and doing their usual panel there may may if we're very good and you know say our say our prayers to the frontier santa might be ship skins again if we're lucky mm. 
Um, so that's that would be nice. And other sort of prizes and giveaways and things they're donating, which is brilliant. While we're mentioning people that are wonderful for LaveCon, um, we obviously have to mention our sponsors, Spider-Mind Games. So they'll be there, obviously, with EDRPG, but also with battle cards. So lots of things going on there. And another organisation that's coming along, well, for the first time this year, but you no doubt if you're into board games will know exactly who they are we have the lovely asmodi games are coming along to demo some of their games and releases and things going on so if you're into board games there will be lots of things to do as well as our usual sort of board game lounge so plenty of space to sort of chill out and play a game and have a pint or a coffee depending on your preferences yeah, because last time the games room was buzzing, wasn't it, all weekend? Yeah, yeah, I think, last you know, there's, there's much as obviously we focus around Elite Dangerous. I think there is a huge crossover of people wanting to play um, sort of tabletop RPGs and obviously card games and board games as well. I think are all incredibly popular in the community. So, yeah, we've got a lot of that kind of thing going on this year, I said definitely with, with Asmodi as well. So lots of that going on. What else have we got? Well, of course, we've got Artemis and we've got VR games for people to play. Over in the LAN room, obviously, people can bring their own PCs, plug into the LAN, and um, it's an online LAN, so you can, of course, play Elite Dangerous, amongst other games on there. But there'll also be some tournament games going on for people who perhaps haven't brought their own PC, or even those who have, um, but want to try something new. So there's lots of tournaments that will be running all through the weekend. Um, and we've also got some wonderful volunteers bringing retro gaming. So there will be all sorts of games from the past, a bit of a, a walk down memory lane, a bit of nostalgia. So that would be really, really nice. What else have we got? Oh, um, obviously our wonderful charity raffle, raising money for Special Effect and for um, EDS UK, um, which are two charities very close to our hearts. Uh, Special Effect probably one you're familiar with, um, adapting gaming to make it inclusive for everybody, which is brilliant. Um, and the Ellis Danlos Society UK is one that's particularly close to my heart, as I have a condition called Ellis Danlos, surprisingly. Um, that is That affects joints and sort of physical disability in, in all sorts of people. So, um, yeah, it's one that we're particularly, particularly close to us, as it were. <sighs> What else do we have? There's so many things, honestly. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think of it myself. I mean, who else have we got that's uh, that's coming along that's selling some merch, or what merch have we got that we could uh, yeah, that oh, isn't going into the raffle? You know, we will obviously be having wonderful T-shirts. We might even manage some fiction books or two. Um, Newcom Press often often let us steal some of their. I mean, have some of their wonderful um, <laughs> uh, books to sell on our stand. I imagine that Radio Theatre Workshop. But I'm sure Chris will manage to have some audio things there for people to, um, you know, listen to, but also purchase. I'm sure he will be keen on that. Um, oh, all sorts of things. Obviously, we've got um, various podcasts. Of course, Live Radio Live, most importantly. <laughs> um, but also um, we've some late night dockers some bits from the Hutton Truckers um, uh, Shane can perhaps tell us a bit more about his Dev Prentice workshop which you know fingers crossed we can rope Frontier into being a part of um, yeah hopefully a quiz are you up for a pub quiz? 
always up for a pub quiz as we've just said we're definitely up for a pub quiz especially one that I'm actually asking the questions of I suppose instead of answering that that's my that's my pub uh, quiz speciality is asking the questions as opposed to having any knowledge at all to answer them so. absolutely so there'll be a bit of that going on and instead of all the readings other panels we've got some online streamers the wonderful Colo is coming along um so she's going to be on a stream panel with some other wonderful streamers so yeah. I heard rumours we had a um, a rather tough black and shiny insect oh, attending. Oh, yeah. I, I don't now? know whether he wants us to say, but yeah, no, he's totally going to be there, so. <laughs> okay, so we've got a black and shiny insect and we're not going to say any more about it. So if that's not worth the admission price alone to find out what the hell that's talking about, I don't know uh, what is, honestly. Oh, I'm, I'm quite sure some of our listeners have worked that out. It's not very subtle, I have to confess. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Um, one thing I did I have enjoyed in previous years, uh, Karen, not sure of the coming, was the company that constructs these amazing cockpits. Oh, Games Camp. Yeah, Games Camp, uh, yeah, a brilliant, brilliant setup for people who want, you know, that sort of customised cockpit feeling in their, in their you know, room. Um, I don't know if they're going to make it this year. They haven't been in touch yet. So maybe I'll drop them an email and just see whether they're up for it. Um, but yeah, but they haven't haven't said so yet but it's also worth noting for those who perhaps haven't been to Lakecon before it is a lovely hotel it's um set in beautiful grounds it's nice and quiet well when it's not full of gamers nice and quiet um it's got a swimming pool it's got a spa and a sauna you know you can come and just chill for the weekend if you want to um but there are hundreds of things to do should you be feeling a bit more active you say it's a quiet hotel, Karen, but, you know, it's quiet when we're there. If we have to share the hotel like we did a few years ago with, say, drunken wedding parties where the bride ends up naked in the corridors, things don't, you know, things get a bit yeah. rowdy. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I, we do, we have an exclusive booking of the hotel. It is all <laughs> ours, I'm afraid. No, no drunken wedding guests or naked brides supplied. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man alive. No, we have, special. we have, yet again, booked out the whole hotel. So, you know, that's fantastic. Um yeah, yes, Facebook so are so good to us, aren't they? Absolutely. I mean, it's a lovely hotel. And like I said, the staff are so friendly. You know, when you suddenly realise we've run out of white tech or um, one year we didn't have a cone to play jugger. But, you know, <laughs> they they manage the most bizarre requests with excellent customer service and a smile. So you can't really argue with that. No, absolutely. Um, well, OK, I mean, Karen, have you got anything else you, uh, you want to drop news-wise or are you... Uh happy to uh, to go about your evening no just to say i've put up an overview of what's going on on the website which i'll share the links onto the various social media pages but it is there you can just click through the menu to find it um i will be taking the silver tickets off they're the ones that include lunch um probably a couple of weeks before the event itself to give the hotel time to get in enough food to feed you all um <laughs> so yeah so if you want to book silver tickets do it as soon as possible um bronze tickets which are the kind of come along um you know tea and coffee included and you know have a wonderful day but no food directly included although you can buy food at the bar um so bronze tickets will be available up to and on the day itself so plenty of time on that one if you need to leave it for a last minute decision but yeah if you want silver tickets do it soon and the same with them um, we've got some gold camping tickets available so that includes all of your meals and food for the weekend as well as camping in the ground so again they will be coming off for sale a couple of weeks before the event again 
so that the hotel can prepare for you all and make sure they've got everything um, they, they need. Uh, uh, Commander XLA and Alien have asked in the chat, when can we expect to see a draft schedule published? They can only come for one day, so obviously they need to well, on the overview page that I mentioned, we've got a bit of a kind of these things are happening on that day, those things are happening on that day. So it will give them a few pointers. And I will say, if you're coming for one day, the Saturday is a longer day than the Sunday because obviously we can run until late in the evening. Whereas on the Sunday, we kind of, um, you know, have to have to stop at some point, sadly, and pack up. Um, so the longer day is the Saturday. So arguably that's can be the best day to be there but then there are things going on on the sunday such as live radio live um that aren't happening on saturday so it depends how big a live radio fan you are of course um so yeah there is some overview on that page it just gives you an idea of these things are happening all weekend these things are just saturday these things are just sunday so that might help the decision making but the full draft program i say draft because there's always changes no matter what i do um it should be up in the next couple of days i've got a draft literally on my computer um, right in front of me doesn't help I know but I will be putting I'm confirming a few things with people because we obviously we've got people who are running panels for us or workshops or those kind of things so I'm just waiting for a few confirmations and then I'll put it up no doubt it will be tweaked and we will give more information before the before the actual day but I will get that up as soon as I can um, but if anybody is interested in being on a panel doing a talk you know, anything like that, do give us a shout, drop us an email. Um, the info at Live Radio email totally works. Um, and yeah, let us know. Great. Thanks, Karen. Perfect. So we, uh, I mean, you're welcome to stay on for the entire show, my dear. But if you if you have to disappear off, then uh, we completely understand. I'm, I'm going to leave you to it and go work on the programme. <laughs> we do right. have one final question for you, Karen. Yeah, of course. People are asking if there's a Brambles update because Alan's been feeding us information about your Bramble attack. Um, we've not really had anything since Alan was last on. Well, you know, Alan, bless him, got incredibly keen and like cleared <laughs> the garden and built a shed and built a wood store and honestly terraformed the whole of the back garden. And and then he hit marking weeks. <laughs> and then and then it started raining and then there was sunshine. So the brambles are, shall we say, they're making a comeback. <laughs> they, they were thoroughly knocked back, but they are, they are sneaking a comeback. So it does sound yeah. as though you're dealing with triffids rather than your common or garden bramble. Yeah, there, there is a that, that is a definite possibility. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh dear well uh, you'll have to come back on the show in a few weeks time and give us an update on the brambles and obviously what else is happening with uh, with lavecon closer to the time but uh, thank you very much indeed karen for for jumping on and giving us an update that has been fantastic no worries we'll speak soon take care all right cheers karen bye so continuing on the um the lavecon theme because now and i've been bitten by the bug uh, rather than finding out what you guys have been doing in uh, real life and the game this week because uh, i don't really care uh, i'm going to go around and ask you what your favorite thing is that you're looking forward to in lavecon uh, as briefly as you possibly can tell me what it is and why starting with you ben running out of beer the bar running out of beer. Okay, well, that's normally something that always happens at LaveCon. You'd think, <laughs> having done it like three times in a, in a row, the bar would actually be better stocked. But no, somehow we always manage to drink the bar clear, which uh, does that not just mean that we uh, we enter into interesting territory of, of trying drinks that maybe you would never have tried before, like maybe a Blue Wicked, for example? No. <laughs> 
Yes, I think it might. Okay, Colin, what's your favourite thing that you're looking forward to? Uh, basically, it's the it's the quiz because the last year's quiz with uh, with the the fantastic Mister Psycho Cow was such a laugh. It really was. Although I must admit, I do like showing off the miniatures every time we we get that. Uh, it comes around in the games room. The games room itself, though, it turns into a sauna. So, uh, yeah, that's a bit of a <laughs> that's a bit of a downer. I, I was hoping you were going to give some some advice there to the people coming to Lavecoin. What so so pack pack cottons, you know, find bring, bring your own per- bring a fan. Bring your, yeah, bring your own personal fan. Um, turn up in a string vest, maybe. Are you, are you going to be implying that Cal would be Rabsy Nesbitt then if you turn up in a string vest? <laughs> Not all Actually, people wearing string vests at the event will be called Rasby Nesbitt, although it is tempting. No, but don't say that to Cal because he will. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, uh, Shan. Um, I I always enjoy um, the questioning frontier. Yes, you do. Not, I, not I always good. remember you coming up to ask many, many questions now that I think about it. Sandy was run to run away at one point, wasn't he? Yes, I, I like Shan because Shan comes to the front. When, before Shan was part of the crew, he used to come to the microphone and immediately after asking his question, he would go to the back of the queue again just so he could come back round and ask the other four questions he had for, uh, for Frontier Developments. Um, what's, what, are you, uh, what are you thinking of asking them this time round? Thing is, though, I, I have to think of something minor because if I tell it and they listen to it, they've got time to prepare. Um, <laughs> so well, it means you might get an answer for a change. I'll probably talk to them about squadron mechanics. I think. Okay. All right. Keep those close it, to your chest. It, it being it being close to my you know my thing of interest, particularly about why they went for one squadron per player. Uh, why is that limitation? Was it a technical one? If it was a design decision, what was the thought behind it? That sort of detail that you can only get out of uh, Frontier by buying the gin and tonics and, uh, <laughs> and not letting them escape. Yeah, that is very true. That is very true. Press ganging them in the bar after they've actually finished the panel. Um, Souverain. Uh I will tragically be on my honeymoon for LaveCon, uh, so I won't be able to go this year, which is a source of deep, deep... Um, Should have gone there on your honeymoon. <laughs> well, I, I, I did suggest Northampton as a, as a destination, <laughs> but the suit was um, probably understandably uh, sceptical. But yes, the, um, the, the, the overlap of Lavecon and our honeymoon is a source of deep conflict in the suit. Oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it, mate. Let me put it this way to you. What will you be missing not doing the most at Lavecon this year? I really liked trying out a load of VR headsets last year. Really enjoyed that. I hogged the chair for quite a long time, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there should be a few uh, a few new ones coming onto the market. So there might be an index there. I'm sure there might be the Vive Pro Wireless. And uh, I've certainly got the, the Oculus Rift S. I'm sure there's a few people have. So it might be quite a bump in the uh, virtual reality headsets this year. So even if you've tried it a couple of years ago, it might be worth popping into Lavecon and uh, and seeing the, what the latest things are in the market and how they compare. For me, I think I will only be wearing the Oculus Rift S. I don't want to try the Vive Pro. I certainly don't want to try the uh, the Index because if they're you know a million times better than what I've got at home, I'm obviously just going to get uh, just going to get jealous and envious, and I don't have the bank balance to uh, to upgrade. So uh, yeah, I will only be trying the, what <laughs> I've uh, what I've bought. 
Uh, yeah. And what he's going to do is uh, his, his Google Cardboard, because his Google Cardboard and his, his thrifty VR always makes me feel good about my uh, my Oculus. So I might try his, but that's it. A couple of years uh-huh. ago, Lavecon made me buy a Vive. Yeah, so yeah. There's a warning. That's how it happens. I'm afraid to say, Fozza, now that I've got the Pixel 3, the, the good old Google Cardboard stuff's actually really improved. Really? Oh, yeah. I think I'm more than happy to try that. More than happy to try it. I just don't want to try anything more expensive than my uh, than my setup. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to, and that's Artemis, because I have yet to actually manage to get myself into the Artemis room uh, and either be a crew member or a captain on that game. Uh, so I'm looking forward Seriously, to Seriously, out of what? This is, is this our sixth or seventh year? You've never made it to Artemis? No, and that's normally because I'm either in the, um, I'm in the main room or obviously all the slots booked up. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's just because nobody either wants me in charge or on their team. You know, it's, it's just like being back at school on the football pitch all over again. So, uh, yeah, this year I'm gonna I'm gonna stake a claim and get my time in as soon as I arrive there, and then people I, have to play with me. I was going to say, I suspect, I suspect I'll be helping set up Artemis on the Friday night, so you can help me test it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never done it either. They always want me to to be the engineer for some reason. I don't know why. I can't imagine why. Oh, well, because maybe they don't want me to be the engineer. That would make a lot of sense. Right. Let's let's crack on with the actual show. I mean, obviously, LaveCon is part of the immunity and part of uh, Elite Dangerous folklore and stuff, but let's talk about the actual game for a bit. So um, let's kick off. Let's talk about um, some of the stuff that's going on. I take it we're not doing anything in-game at the moment. Nobody's outside the yeah. bar in Lave, uh, Lave I'm system. Just, I'm still jumping back from Distant Worlds 2. Um, right. So I'm... Where am I in the galaxy? Let me have a look. Let me just not crash into a star. <laughs> well, either way, I can't um, see any of you being around. So if people want to sort no. of congregate around uh, Lave Station Bar, by all means, uh, we'll wave at you out the windows, but we're not actually doing anything in-game this evening. So uh, let's kick on with um, some of the development news. Uh, a bit more of a discussion, actually. The end of the first interstellar initiative. So I must admit, I this one has gone completely over my head. I did not get involved with it at all. So you guys are going to have to sort of pick up the pick up the torch on this one. What did you think about it? How did it go? Um, mm, I think it's the best way to put it. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Nice. Um, right. Well, I am actually giving them the benefit of the doubt on this one because effectively it was the first one, but. Uh, because it was built up as being one of these big, you know, this is what we're going to be doing uh, to to keep everybody going until the, uh, uh, you know, the big 2020 update. Uh, underwhelming, I think, is the, is the best description, really. Um, I, the actual individual events themselves, they seem to be okay. They were, but it after a while, it just felt like you know, about three or four CGs linked together. And it didn't seem to have that kind of um, proper narrative feel to it that uh, that is needed for these kind of live events. And if you go onto the forums, everybody's complaining about the reward. Which, and what was the award? Uh, reward? Well, the last part of the Interstellar Initiative was to do this uh, combat CG, which is actually quite fun because um, it was flying around the new combat zones, and uh, when you go into the medium and, and the large ones, they're quite uh, they're quite exciting, especially with the uh, the new secondary objectives. But um, yeah, uh, you had, you ended up with um, one group supplying uh, winning 
and they have the um, the multi cannon, which uh, allows you to flip between uh, AX weapons. So basically, you can stick this on your anti Thargoid ship without it going over the fall limit, and then using synthesis, you can arm it with AX um, anti Thargoid bullets instead of normal bullets. But the the amount of complaints they've had about it is that it just looks like a normal multi-cannon. It's been cut and paste and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And right, you know, so an overall lack of effort on Frontier's part is what people are saying. Well, that's what they're saying, yes. I mean, personally, I thought, like I said, the individual things seemed to be okay. It was just, you know, did they put it up as this big, this is the, the what's going to keep us going until <laughs> 2020. And it... it I don't know. I think they they didn't actually set it up in a way where you were, you know, you were pumped up for one side or another. Right. Okay. The thing is with it, and I'm trying to be sort of neutral here, um, is it's better they start off small and manageable and test the mechanics in a loose way than try and do something huge and ginormous and it fall flat and then people would get completely kind of depressed about the whole thing so i think they had to test the mechanics they had to test how it all flowed together in something small before they then went to something bigger hmm. when are they planning on the next one have they given any sort of timelines obviously they're going to take the learnings from this one and hopefully come back bigger and better and stronger is it july two? isn't it yes july. yeah it'll be july and if it's if it's mid-july that will be six weeks after the end of this one which is exactly what which is exactly the time scale they said it would be Okay, cool. Um, I just wonder whether they'll reveal anything about it at LaveCon. Because usually this, usually they have some news, don't they, or snippets of information they can give us. Yeah, it and surprising. I think it will be. I think it will be wildly optimistic to expect them to announce what was coming in 2020 at this year's LaveCon. So maybe they'll talk about maybe carriers, maybe maybe the. Um, no, it won't be carriers. In- I bet it won't be. I bet it'll be the Interstellar Initiative. Maybe well, the graphical improvements with ice planets. <laughs> Don't we could spend episodes and episodes speculating on what Frontier may or may not be talking about at LaveCon. Let's do that a little bit closer to the actual event. Um, but yeah, so six weeks of uh, six weeks off. Hopefully, they'll they'll obviously take some board some of the feedback that they've got from uh, from the forums and how it all worked in terms of mechanics. Ben, what's your thoughts on all of this? Oh. I'm just wondering after the af, after everyone going for the low hanging fruit, I guess, and getting the multi cannon, but everyone who actually gives the monkeys about anti xeno uh, anti xeno operations wanting the missile, if Frontier will cave in and find some way to slide us the the missile anyway, and if you guys even think they should, yeah, it's a good point, uh, Souverine. Yeah, I, I, I don't. It, it is a good point. Everybody keeps saying that they're definitely going to drop the the um, the missiles as well at some point, but I, I I'm not aware of any other occasion when they've been pressured into when they've when they've presented something as a choice between two and then and then bowed to pressure to. They did a while ago. Truth, yes. They did a while. They did a while ago. Um, be a uh, gimbaled beam lasers. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, fair enough. I, I also large multi cannons and huge, um, large and huge because, themes and multis. Because there, well. there was a CG, wasn't there, where if you didn't hit a certain level, 
you didn't get all the weapons, but there was some kind of mix-up in the communications where that maybe wasn't as clear as what people thought. So there's a big fuss about. Yeah, that, I, I'd argue that's slightly different because if you're offering weapons to certain people and not others, it's a bit. I can understand the bang pressure pressure in that regard, but given that given that the missiles. Given that the missiles took, well, the multiple cannons took no effort, and, it's, and it's, they haven't even reskinned them, they haven't even restatted them. It's literally just a new, it's just a new synthesis recipe, um, and nobody was baying for the missiles in the first place. They were just presented as the lesser of the two evils. Um, I, I can't imagine them bowing to pressure to introduce the missiles because I don't think there was any. Um, they, 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 you know, nobody ever said, nobody ever expected them to be better than than guardian weapons for AX anyway. I don't think anyone was expecting them to be better, but. I would not be at all surprised to find the losing party from this week's, or last week's CG rather, sort of saying, hey, yeah, we're now running a base out in the Pleiades, and we could really use the delivery of 50 tons of widgets. Could you go and give it to us, and then we'll give you some missiles? Mm. I really, I would not be surprised by that at all. Well, I mean, if they've gone and created the, the assets for it, for the missiles then yeah but um i would say that the the actual missiles itself people did want the missiles the the anti-xeno initiative were really pushing for it but the problem that they did have is that um a lot of the way that the the narrative unfold unfolded a lot of people just suddenly saw this other corporation suddenly appear from nowhere and um I know a lot of people who were talking on Discord just said, well, I'm not going to bother for them. I want to stick with the guys that started all this whole thing off. I don't want to get involved with these Empire lot that have come in. And so it did seem that that was the main reason why people supported up the the multi-cannon, the, the multi-cannon corporation. Were the AXI volume, were they sort of, were they arguing... Were they saying they really wanted the missiles, or were they just saying that of the two, they would be the least bad? Yeah, they they they'd gone and done um, a whole load of analysis uh, on the on the actual two weapons to work out which would be the best against Thargoids, and they came to the conclusion that the Dumbfire missiles were, even though, and this is this is just my opinion, the fact that you had to use arsenic, which I think is probably one of the hardest things I I can never find it. <laughs> you had to use arsenic in order to um, basically uh, flip it over to being uh, anti-xeno was was oh, was difficult to take. Yes, that is one of the criticisms people are having is that the materials required to rearm it in AX mode are, so people believe, quite intense. You yeah, know, it's the, not just like adding iron and sulfur together no, and no. like that. It, yeah, a lot of people were saying that the fact that you had to use the guardian guardian components to um, uh, to flip it over as well is also a problem. But to tell you the truth, most people who have got to this stage have already got all the the guardian stuff, and they might need something to go back and get you know something to make players go back and go visit the guardian ruins again. Cool. Okay, guys. I mean, as someone that hasn't even seen a Thargoid yet, is yeah, all this Thargoid weaponry and stuff worth it? Is the actual mechanic and the actual um, you know, feature of Thargoids and killing Thargoids that much fun? Just out of interest, you know, just for my own interest. Killing uh, what sort of Thargoid? I don't care. Any of them. Right. Well, Fuzzer, you probably quite enjoy taking on the Thargoid Scouts because you'd probably be able to. 
<laughs> cheeky sod. I'm taking no, the, the, I'm, the I'm serious. One. I can't, <laughs> even I can't take out a, um, well, Shan probably can, but my, my ships at the moment aren't in the state where I can solo a, a Thargoid Interceptor. They're right, so uh, how many classes of ships are they? Uh, give me a quick idiot's guide to Thargoids in the void at the moment. Oh, right. Okay, so you got Thargoid Scouts, of which there are four types. Okay. Which is the Marauder, the Regenerator, the Inciter, and oh, what's the other one? Berserker. Berserker. Berserker, that's it. Uh, then you have the Cyclops Interceptor, you have the Basilisk Interceptor, uh, the Hydra Interceptor, the Medusa Interceptor. Uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Yeah, there's only yeah. four interceptors. Um, the, the the scouts are small and easily destroyed, and you can blow them up with any weapon. And the idea is that they kind of mob you, um, and that they kind of prep systems for further incursion. And then the interceptors are socking great, um, kind of assault ships that are much bigger than the largest human ships, um, mm -hmm. and are much harder to take out. Do they fire the thargons? Yes, the thargons? they do. Yeah. Oh okay. yes, they do. You do have thargons. The interceptors are more like raid bosses, um, right. although it is very possible to solo them all. Um, the Cyclops, you can kill in under 12 seconds with the right build. So. Okay. And is there anything yeah. above an interceptor, or are they the, the big bads? They're the big bads so far. Yeah. Okay. The, the Hydra, Hydra yeah. is the big bad, yeah. The Hydra's, like, they're kind of, as, in, as, as with all things in Elite, they're logarithmic, so... The Hydra is uh, two or three times harder than the Medusa, which is two or three times harder than the Basilisk. So um, people have, many, many people have, have managed to destroy the lowest rated one on their own, but only a, only a handful of people uh, in quite engineered ships have managed to do so with the Hydra. So it's a real challenge. And okay. um, when they have, it usually revolves around uh, messing the, the AI up so it's not quite as dead. Got you. Okay, cool. So do you think this is something you know, for yeah, for future gameplay where you know, something like a carrier would be useful? See what I'm doing there? See this, <laughs> see this wonderful segue? Because there's certainly people on the forums that would like to know what happened to the old, uh, the old chestnut that is the, the carriers that were, were promised in uh, a previous update and then we were told that they weren't particularly ready um and then uh, there's a few people on the on the forums who, who have raised it as a discussion to say you know what ha whatever happened to the carriers and uh let's, let's talk about that for uh, for a little bit um shan you go first my my view of why carriers would were delayed is because frontier never answered the question what are they used for um yeah. because the way they described them is they described them as needing to be refueled. Uh, they didn't say just what, but we'll say that you need to be refueled with grindonium uh, <laughs> before they can jump. Now, the issue with that is, let's say all of us on on the uh, on, on live radio channel said, "I know we want to go and do the next Interstellar Initiative CG." We would announce that in Discord, "Hey, meet us at this system tomorrow at eight o'clock, and we'll do the CG." No problem doing that. If you then have to say, well, actually, let's meet up tonight after the show, fill the carrier up with grindonium, then we can jump to the CG. It kind of seems just like busy work for not a lot of point. Yeah, so, I mean, there's definitely a question as to whether or not, you know, they actually had their, 
yeah, their raison d'etre um, sorted. But I mean, the, all they said to us was that you know they weren't ready to be implemented, and you know they were certainly they're still on the radar, but they're they're uh, there's no news at the moment. But I think with this particular this particular point, there was two there was two sections to it, wasn't it? One is the discussion around carriers you know why were they taking off what are they going to be used for and then the second question again is uh, there was quite a few people you know doubling down on frontier in terms of the, the lack of communication um which i think page i haven't got the quote with me but page did a really nice sort of answer to in terms of you know not over promising and under delivering and you know the various aspects that go into just releasing a piece of information or releasing news about a feature in terms of how many different departments that touches in terms of getting the feature ready teaching people how to use the feature then getting a build that works with that feature and then getting you know time out in terms of the marketing guys the community guys to actually you know, get that information out to the the community, and if it's not ready and it's not, yeah, you know, it's not where they want to be, then actually you, you do this announcement or you do this show and tell, and then you know it's not ready, it doesn't get into game, and that ends up putting more people, um, you know, more people's backs up than uh, than if you'd actually just try to, you know, tell everybody exactly what's happening with every stage of uh, development. Uh, Colin, what's your take on all of this? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I understand uh, where Paige was coming from, whether yes or the no, but I think a lot of people just wanted to know whether or not it was really, it had been delayed to the 2020 update or whether it was coming before, uh, to which all Paige said to that was, uh, uh, we'll announce it when we're good and ready. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there wasn't really much there, but the whole thread, the whole um, shouting on, on the forums mm. was basically sort of a lot of people saying, ha, told you it's not included anymore, but Frontier got on and said, no, it is still in progress. It's just we're not ready to talk about it. But there does seem to be an awful lot of um, yeah problems with the people accepting what is said by Frontier on the forums at the moment. Yeah, and they did make a one of the interesting things that came out of the uh, that discussion for me was um, you know the absence of um, of dev blogs. You know, way back when we used to have some really nice, and I, I say way back when we, I think the the last dev blog that they actually found was 2015 or maybe even 2014 um, as a as an example. But yeah, I I don't think we need to have the the star citizens. Uh, aspect where you know every single department does like four or five podcasts a week and you know, the game's still not ready um but it, i think it would be quite nice just to, to put some faces i mean i know they come onto the streams which is maybe their yeah their their new way of doing it but yeah just to, to get an update from some of the departments maybe just even just once a quarter about what sort of stuff they're working on you know what they can show us and you know just a bit of a roadmap i think would be you know be, would be quite nice uh Suvering? Um, this has been brought up a couple of times before. Um, my point's always the same. Um, uh, but I, I feel like a lot of the um, Frontier's, Frontier's approach to communications is very, very cagey, cagier than most. And um, a lot of the, I think, I think a big part of the, the people's um, annoyance with the pace of progress or the perceived lack of communication is that it makes such a stark contrast to the communication back in 2013 and 2014. Mm. You know, back then it was video after video of David Braben enthusiastically um, telling us how we were going to chase big dinosaurs around and, <laughs> and stow away on each other's ships. Um, and then, and then uh, there's a sea change of, um, of 
approach to community management and suddenly it's nope we will not tell you anything beyond the next tweet we're planning to send like we're not we'll not tell you anything that's happening beyond two months down the line um and um and that i think for long-term observers of the game that's really frustrating because we, we, we were kind of we were told what the lot what the 10-year goal was um and told to be excited for it and then a couple of years later they won't even confirm that they're still working on this stuff so um i think you've probably got to be quite a trusting sort of um and for those of us who are quite invested in it and, and, for, and for whom it's you know it, um it it means a lot to us we're, we're sort of um i guess it's quite easy to to get quite frustrated with that change in tone um and the feeling that um the anxiety that maybe bits of it have been dropped and we haven't been told yet yeah good point shan yes i was thinking back to those halcyon days of dev blogs and <laughs> and videos and stuff but if you think about it where we were in the game cycle it was still very much a new game keep the hype train going so to speak you know keep peaking the interest keep hitting the um the, the magazines keep hitting the websites to build up towards release and keep the ball rolling now the cadence has dropped before between releases quite a lot so therefore you don't need to have as much marketing stuff as what you did previously, because that's what they were when you know when it comes down to it, they were marketing stuff. Yeah, absolutely, Colin. Yeah, well, uh, going back to the point of sovereign, I can actually tell you the exact point where things just changed, and that was after the response to two point three, the multi crew. After then. It just seemed that right. We're not going. Before that, they were quite happy to talk about what was coming up, what was what was happening, but because there was such a bad backlash against that one, ever since then, it, it's it's like it's a communication black hole. To be honest, yeah, it has been it has been a bit more cagey, and uh, they definitely kept Mister Braben on a, on a tighter. On a tighter leash, I certainly remember, and I'm sure it was in one of the podcasts going way back when, when we went down to uh, to the docks in uh, in Woolwich, where for one of the EGXs, and yeah, we sat in on the the future of Elite Dangerous um, and the future of you know sort of astronomy and games and stuff that uh, David Braben did, and he was talking about all sorts of things that were that were off script. Um, he was talking about creating our own um, bases and asteroids that we'd be carrying these uh, these packages, almost like the uh, you know the old mining uh, rigs that used to get in Frontier uh, Elite Two, where you'd fire at an asteroid, it would hollow out the asteroid, and then you'd give it a landing platform, and that's where all the the pirate bases would be, and you'd be able to set up your own bases out on the rim. And you know, I think it was well, who was it? It was uh, John Stabler, Jarvis, and I. And we just and, Alan, and we were just looking at each other and saying, "Have you heard anything like that?" No. And you could just imagine everybody back in Frontier Towers listening to this speech, going, "That's not in any roadmap I've ever seen." Have you heard anything like that? And so since since then, he's been on a tighter leash, and yeah, you know, all yeah, you know, roadmap talk. I think has um, has definitely been kept um, kept more close to their chest. But I think the other thing to also take into consideration is the fact that you know when we got this sort of wonderful you know. Uh, openness uh, from uh, Frontier. The game, I think, was mainly on on PC. Everything was happening was happening on PC. 
Um, they've now got the the console markets to uh, to take into consideration, and I'm just wondering if that has an impact on on what sort of messages they give out. Because yeah, unlike the the PC where you can get it ready in house and then send it out with the new updates, you've got to not get it ready not only just for the PCs but for the consoles and uh, make sure you're matching in with their update schedules and yeah everything has to be right because they've now got the issue of you know you can't make it right for the PC because you'll have an absolute uproar if it's not right for the consoles at the same time so yeah I don't know uh, Shan yes I was just thinking as you were talking is I think probably one of the biggest changes is Frontiers themselves because when the game first started David Braidman didn't have the 51% share he has now. It was significantly greater. So now you've got the 10 cent investment. They've got shareholders that hold them accountable for things. And that movement from almost solely owned by two or three people to being a public company with shareholders, particularly when you've got 10 cent who are a significant investor, your way of communicating and your relationship with the customers and even the, uh, the, the public and media changes. Uh, I do remember having a chat with Ed Lewis about this a while back, um, trying to get an interview with David um, a couple of years ago now. And he said that David is very much now the CEO figure and it's not just Elite and David. David is now CEO of a, ga- a game company that does Jurassic World. It does um, Planet Coaster. It does Jurassic... Uh, sorry, it'll do... Um, Planet Zoo, and it's all the extra stuff they do. So David hasn't got time, or indeed perhaps even is in the right place to do the friendly fireside chat videos he has, because they've now become a bigger company. And I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they are the now the biggest um, British games company that are not are self-publishing. Basically, they're, they're not. RVA or Rockstar or anyone like that or Sony, they are independent so they are a huge company in terms of market value and with that comes a certain expected sort of behaviour Yeah, no, I agree with all of that uh, I think you're absolutely spot on there, Ben? There might be a certain expected behaviour but surely even Activision, Blizzard EA and pretty much every other public company going says this is the stuff we're working on for the next, you know, the next wee while. We thought we'd tell you about it. Whereas we all know that Frontier is tighter than a clam. <laughs> With all due respect to those companies, when they release that, they just say, oh, we're releasing Battlefield 26 and FIFA 2050. You know, they tend to be last, they tend to be regurgitated products, shall we say. I'm perhaps I'm being a bit mean to them, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when they announced... You had, Battle, you had Star Wars Battlefront 2, which, well, EA kind of said it's got a really expansive story and various other things like that after the feedback from Battlefront 1. And yes, it had a story, but I wouldn't exactly say it was a massive story. Um, but it's still, it still a fairly enjoyable story, but I'm trying to think what other things... Well, yeah, that wasn't a, a massive story like, you know, the old Jedi Knight games and things yeah. like that. But they don't put proper first uh, single-player things in, in games anymore. That's, that's just... Sad, but it's true. Sebring? Mm. Oh, hi, sorry, yeah, I was uh, muted. Um, I've, uh, I don't normally go in for this armchair anal- um, analysis stuff, but I've, um, I've just looked at Frontier's share price. Um, 
the, so with regard to the the way they communicate and caginess and stuff i don't think there is i don't think that being a public company being under extra scrutiny necessarily um entails being as cagey as frontier are about uh, about the future so the if that were true then the the recent links would have walloped their um their share price or at least had a big impact on it um and it it hasn't um it's at close to um six it's at close to six month peak at the moment um and um so the the recent leaks obviously haven't um haven't dented confidence too much uh so i, I actually think it's more to do with um i think it, i think it's more to do with giving their devs breathing space and ability to, to uh, ability to basically shelf stuff and not be not be crucified for it yeah i i think you're yeah i, <laughs> I think you're right in terms of the armchair uh speculation we could go round and round and round and one of the things we do on this podcast is normally go round and round and round because you know we don't have any firm uh firm information coming out of uh frontier but that just takes us back to the start of where we started this discussion so let's let's park it um what we'll do is we'll have some adverts and then when we come back we will talk about our main discussion which is more speculation of course uh about what updates we could expect before 2020 yeah just before we flip to an advert um one of them um it has got paul darrow in it who sadly uh, passed away this week and so we all well i certainly remember avon and the other roles he did, and he was a great actor with a very distinctive voice and very passionate about the uh, the sci-fi thing. But anyway, sorry, we'll, we'll listen to the advert and then we can pick it up later. Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? <laughs> and we are back. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're just discussing the uh, the Fuel Rat advert, actually, about how holding your breath could be a really bad idea if you are way out in the bubble and it's going to take people days to come out to you. You know, a whole new set of problems all there by, it, uh, by itself. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, let's kick on with the... Actually, no, before we do that, let's just uh, head back to the other one of those adverts. I, I did want to pick it up, as, as Shan mentioned. Um, yeah, it was really sad news uh, coming uh, today, or was it yesterday, that Paul Darrow... Um, famous for is it blake seven it is blake seven yeah paul darrow from blake seven um has sadly passed away uh he was older than i thought he was um i can't yep he was 78 and mm. he had uh and by the time he was recording a whole lot of things he was is in a wheelchair um he did a fantastic voice pack for for hcs called minus 
Uh, and I thoroughly recommend just listening to the trailer for that because it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so sadly, uh, Paul Darrow, one of the sci-fi greats, has uh, has passed away. And our you know, thoughts and family uh, are, are with his um, thoughts and family. His thought, our thoughts are with his family um, at the moment. So let's crack on with our main discussion, which is, um, again, it's, it's more speculation. So we've, we've been told that we've got... Yeah, maybe five or seven small updates before yeah, the big update of, of 2020. And we thought we'd have a little bit of speculation on uh, on what they might actually be. Um, I've got uh, I've got one that I, I, I would like to uh, to sort of throw out there. But before I do that, who would like to start off uh, going round the room? So oh, in- yeah, I'll start. Um I would like, and I think it may be coming, I would like a power play overhaul. Um, we, when we had Will on the show last time, we, uh, we got all up in his grill about power play. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, and it's been a subject of, of lots and lots of um, ire for years because um, it's uh, well, lots of things, lots of criticisms are, are leveled at it, which we won't go into now, but I guess the nuts and bolts of it are that Elite is a game that could benefit from a um, a broader end game sort of um, game within a game. Um, similar similarly to how some um, other MMOs have like a um, a sort of st- strategic um, kind of uh, end game PvP content, um, which um, which is for you know which, which they uh, which they might gate for um, inexperienced players or um, you know, incentivize people to get into like sort of um, you know late late stage raids and that sort of thing. Um, I feel like Elite is um, is a game where you can get to the position where you've already got all the ships and all the modules, and the question of what to do next. Um, the, sort of the obvious answer is pledge to a cause bigger than your than your own, and and try and you know affect real change against other players in the galaxy. Um, and Elite's really well kitted out for this. You know, the, the BGS does it to some extent, but I feel like a um, a, a, a struggle of um, for star systems um, played out uh, across the across the bubble um, against other players as the natural home for PvP in the game just makes sense. And it's sad that Powerplay doesn't doesn't fulfill that aim. Um, not very many people use it. Um, the you know the criticism, lots of criticisms leveled at it are quite valid. Um, I don't think there's. I don't, I don't think the concept is bad in that a, in that like a, a game within a game for 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 advanced players, which is the natural home of power play. Um, I, I don't think that's. Um, I don't think the the um, the idea is a bad one. I think the implementation is flawed. Um, so it doesn't require any new assets. It doesn't require designing any new ships. It doesn't require any designing Thargoid bases or anything like that. It's just <laughs> rule. You know, it's rule tweaks that they could do. With a with a handful of devs, um, perfectly within uh, within the eighteen months or so that we've got. So I would love to see that, and I think it would make a lot of people happy. It's a good shout. I mean, uh, yeah, power play has always been this. Uh, <laughs> I won't say run to the litter, but it, it's the it's the the cousin that nobody talks about, or the, uh, the ugly the, duckling. Exactly, <laughs> um, and you know everybody rolls their eyes when. Uh, you know when they uh, when they hear power play mentioned, and yeah, I absolutely agree with you in terms of you, know, you would expect there to be some sort of galactic power struggles going on you know, behind the scenes that doesn't just involve the uh, the big alliances and stuff. Um, but what 
just to sort of to pick in on some of the stuff that you you mentioned what would you like to see in terms of you know first of all you mentioned like a an in-game end game which you know elite dangerous is famous for not really in theory having an end game and what would you like those rewards to be what would keep people coming back to engage in power play um for for you know for what rewards because the rewards that the people get at the moment, yeah, they're pretty easy and you can just flip-flop and get different ones until you've exhausted all more. And then you know, what's really the you know, the incentive to keep doing the power play? I actually think the um, the, the rewards that the rewards were, in, were, were intended as a, as a, as a flavor, a way to give the different powers individual flavor and, and, and Frontier underestimated player behavior because what players actually did was, was say, right, okay, I need to pledge for a, a month and do a bit of grinding to get that thing cool all right and there are 11 powers in that case i've got 11 months in which i'm going to get them all <laughs> which i don't think frontier anticipated players doing that um i, I actually don't think the rewards are a big part of it i, I don't think people's criticism of, of power play is that the rewards aren't good um for a lot of people sort of forming a team winging up with their mates achieving goals um capturing systems i mean B, the bgs is is um is a good example the BGS is really popular. Loads and loads of people use it um, and engage with it. Um, and there are, there are no benefits to winning a station beyond having the station with your team's name on it. But that's actually quite a powerful incentive. And I think that players don't need much more than that. Um, the power play does have, have benefits, and, and they're not very well publicized, and they, they don't manifest particularly well in the game as it stands at the moment. But, there are, but as the galaxy changes and your given power takes over more systems. Those say, those systems take on certain characteristics. Um, so I, I think it's more, I don't think it's the rewards that are at fault. I think it's the mechanisms. I think Frontier needs to decide what their progression system is going to be. Um, because you spoke about Endgame and all sorts of stuff like that. And I know we've had a chat about it, so um, I won't go too far down that particular rabbit hole. But... The game has to choose whether it wants to have horizontal or whether it wants to have vertical progression. Now, what I mean by vertical is it's power creep. It's you. The more you play the game, the more powerful the modules you come, and therefore you need better, stronger enemies to fight against with your new powerful modules. So it becomes a treadmill of ever upgrading, and the perception of progression is better gear equals more progression and etc now horizontal is where you have a power cap and you say okay multi cannons and dps etc will only ever get as powerful as this but we will then make them more versatile we'll be, we'll make them fire i don't know rainbows out or whatever it is for cosmetics we'll go the cosmetic with a plateau progression and what i expect from the next few updates is i expect to see the coin come down more on one side or the other personally i hope it's horizontal progression because as soon as you get high power creep gear treadmill it then becomes an arms race between the developer and the players because the developers will release something like these multi-cannons we've got now um, they'll release something and everyone rushes out gets them and then go what's next and then they'll get bored and Come along so i would hope whatever they put in addresses the overall progression question yeah yeah i agree with that um it's uh 
the the vertical the, yeah the, the the treadmill aspect is something that um we've we've seen it slightly in the in the inflation of stats weapons getting more powerful jump ranges getting longer that kind of thing um it's uh it's a different we'll, we'll probably see that the the coin come down in on that in interstellar initiatives i would have thought yeah i'm actually encouraged by the multi by the way the multi cannon went it's because it's not actually more powerful than an, an existing multi cannon it has just has a different function. It can be AX or it can be non-AX. So you're check, you're giving a choice for the player between what function do you want this single item to be. So that's horizontal progression. I'm encouraged by the way that we've done that. I mean, forget about the material requirements and stuff like that. But they could have released a super powerful Guardian multi cannon that outclasses everything else in its class range, and then that would have been a gear progression. Don't you think, though, that before Frontier go off and give us all shiny new toys and things like that, they actually need to make power play a bit more interesting than being Postman Pat? Ah, well, let's actually have power play. I have to jump in on you there, Ben, because the problem that people have with it is mostly because there's always got to be that bottom level where people are delivering or being the target for the others. Now, when we first tried power play, um, first of all, we weren't all advanced. So basically, we weren't all advanced enough to play the game, to be honest. Uh, I think it came out too early uh, because, uh, you know, it's for when you've really run out of other things to do. Um, And when it came out, there were still tons of things to do. Now there were. But the main issue with the, the, the delivery stuff is someone's always got to be the target. And people didn't like being the target. And if you were decided to sign up for the Alliance specifically, all there was was delivery, delivery, delivery for the main three tasks you've got to do. If you'd chosen a different power, then it would have been far much more, uh, far more varied gameplay than there was right at the very beginning. Yes, but Colin, surely, even if I'm in the Alliance and we're all a bunch of tree huggers. No, um, sure, no hang on, shush a sec, Colin. I want to finish this. Because we're all a bunch of tree huggers and we're all delivering our pamphlets, that's fine. And someone else is delivering pamphlets in my system. Why the hell do I get penalised? And you do get penalised for going off and... Why do I get, why do I get penalised for going off and attacking that guy? I get bounties on me. Well, we don't anymore because that's changed, but... We should at least get... I should get rewards and I should get uh, the credits for defending my system from people trying to deliver deliver leaflets to my system. And none of that takes place. But that was part of the proposals where you can defend against people attacking your system by just constantly delivering. It all depends. It's the combination of which power is up against which because some powers uh, can defend their systems by attacking other players. And attacking people carrying leaflets. Yeah. And the main problem that we've got is, is if you have two people who do the same thing, trying to do their thing, you just basically, it's just like one of those CGs, which whoever gets the top first wins. Okay. So, yeah, I think we can go down the uh, the power play rabbit hole for, well, pretty much an entire episode. Has anybody got anything else they, they desperately want to mention about power play? I can understand why yeah, it's top of your list, Uber in Normal, to uh, to get a tweak. 
that's I don't think there's anybody in the elite dangerous community that's going to argue that it definitely needs one. I think the number one thing they can do to fix, if you like, power play is to disassociate the module. <laughs> I, and I, I didn't swear then. That was not the late radio. Couldn't be bleeped out. Um, <laughs> no, was was to disassociate the modules from the power because the majority of people who use power play do it to get the goodies. They don't actively take part. And if you if you take out the modules from the power play mechanic, then you cut out a lot of the people just choosing a system at random and balking it because it happens to be the closest one to where they can get their goodies. That is a part of the problem. It's, it's definitely a module shopping is definitely a part of the problem. Um, yeah, the, absolutely. The, the biggest uh, we, we did, we, we've done big investigations of this and interviews with loads and loads of people for, uh, for articles for Sagai. So sort of vague, fairly familiar with the, the, um, the arguments for and against from the, from the real hardcore power players themselves. But, but, what the, the consistent message is um, from the people who who deal with it day to day is that um, the the most effective way to achieve your goals in power play, you know, um, just de, you know destabilizing or weakening an opponent, for example, the most effective way to do that is to pledge to that opponent and then work against them from within. It's far far more, you know, it's two or three times more effective than working than than pledging to the power you do really support and working for them, or you know, um, about you know up front. So. Um, and that, that disparity, the fact that unintended sabotage is two or three times more effective at achieving goals than any other type of intended gameplay, is the real ruining factor of power play, according to the people who play it the most often. It just it just means that it's no fun because there's, there's somebody will come and piss in the paddling pool and ruin, ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> All right, well let's leave it on that lovely uh, lovely image there. <laughs> and, Sorry. Uh, let's uh, let's leave pissing in the paddling pool, which PP pissing in the paddling pool, PPP. <laughs> Um, and move on to Ben. Ben, what do you think uh, would be nice to have as an update, uh, as a smaller update before the 2020 uh, big updates? I actually think that we'll get more progression in the Guardian storyline, possibly bringing it up so we maybe even see some real ship-sized Guardian ships and things like that to hopefully maybe counter the Thargoid threat or... Just to give us another element along, another element along the Thargoid threats and things to do with the Guardians, potentially getting us more weapons and more more upgrade potential as well. But it doesn't have to be a lot. Just just minor updates along those lines is what I I, I suspect we might see. So what tweaks to the Guardian story and the backstory and a few a few new assets and a few new uh, weapons is that's what you're hoping. I for. think tweaks to the Guardian story and. In the same way that we've got the Thargoid scouts and interceptors in game, and that they started off life by giving us high predictions and all that kind of stuff, how cool would it be to maybe see an alien, a guardian ship? Let's not, you know, let's forget about calling it alien. A guardian ship joining in, fighting a Hydra. Yeah, yeah, that could kind of link into uh, my thoughts as well, which uh, I'll come on to in a bit. Uh, anybody else got any ideas uh, or any sort of comments to make on? Uh... A little bit of a guardian uh, polish before uh, before twenty twenty. It depends on if you believe the leaked roadmap or not. And the reason why I say that is because if you if you've seen the uh, revised supposed thyroid 
itself that was leaked the other week, then you can see how leading up to that encounter. So you basically you the, the the trailer for the twenty twenty release will be the unveiling of that Thargoid. And then you have then have a people shooting it in corridors and avoiding acids for blood and all the stuff like that. So you can see how the Guardian um, construct, because I don't think we'll see real Guardians, I think we'll see the AI, the Guardians, you know, the and I think the Guardian AI is going to be the big bad, I think. Um, so anyway, I think we'll see more depth Guardians, and I think we'll see a slow build-up towards the revealing of the Thargoids that you can then run around and shoot in the first-person game. Interesting. So preparations for Space Lakes. Colin? Well... Personally, I'm hoping that one of the smaller updates will be the fleet carriers, you know, um, or at least the you know so the mechanics that will support me uh, fleet carriers, because um, I could ju- I, it's just one of these things which I think is 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 something that could be self-contained in a uh, in an update, uh, and that's that will keep things happy. Just imagine around about Christmas time, Happy Christmas, have a fleet carrier. Okay, well, if I'd known you were going to talk about fleet carriers, then uh, then I wouldn't have let you go before me, because I wanted to talk about <laughs> fleet carriers. Uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth about um, how they might actually work, because this was a, a conversation that, uh, that Shan and I were having uh, offline in terms of you know, what's their raison d'etre? Why, you know, why would you need to use them? If it was just sort of um, uh, needing to get sort of some grind to refuel them, um yeah no that's no fun for anybody but i was thinking of a uh, of a concept taking up the uh, you know the, the thargoid battle in the in a new direction where thargoids could actually interdict, interdict uh, a system so you know your normal small type ships can't actually get into a system they put some sort of you know some sort of wonderful magic y sci-fi thing to block the system so you can't get in so then you have to get into a carrier and the carrier takes you all. It's only carriers and big ships, um, like some of the big sort of um, capital ships that we see from uh, you know, some some of the alliances and stuff, um, the big factions that uh, can get through this uh, this interdiction uh, shield that the Thargoids prick up. And then once you're in there with your carrier and your wing, uh, then it's up to you to take over various parts of that system, almost like sort of capture the flag, or you know you take down enough beacons or enough sort of um, Thargoid strongholds, and then that system gets released again, um, and you get. I don't. I, I must admit, I hadn't figured out what the rewards would be, apart from obviously, you know, maybe a new sort of tick in the box. You know, this system was saved by these wings, blah blah blah, from the from Thargoid invasion. But it would give you a new a new gameplay mechanic. It would give you a new reason for actually using the uh, the carriers, and yeah, it wouldn't. I say wouldn't. Uh, I have this wonderful image of things being easy in Frontier Towers, where they just flick a switch and and it all works. But I don't know how difficult it would be uh, code-wise to block a system and then only allow certain ships in and then to uh, to have various points on the map where you just need to you know to take over almost like a community goal um shan what's your thoughts well let's let's assume that carriers are going to be very expensive so let's say they let's say a small one starts at 10 billion credits to buy uh, there aren't many players on their own who can afford the 10 billion, and in in fact, um, probably a few squadrons would be unable to do one. But anyway, the thing is, though, if this is just me. I would not send my 10 billion credit carrier into a system to help defend it 
if I had then had to pay the rebuy cost of it. Or the <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying it blows up. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe uh, if you lose enough of the beacons, then all the carriers get then pushed back out again. You know, they get the interdiction shield up stronger or something. So you, your carrier gets pushed out of the system, but you don't actually have to uh, have to lose it. I, I still wouldn't want a repair bill or anything else like that. <laughs> well, it, it's a valid question because I look at what's the risk and what's the reward. And uh, to be honest, I, I, I killed a few Thargoids and stuff like that solo and, and whatnot. But the rewards you get from them compared to the, re the repair build and what resulting from them makes them a very poor use of credits. And I'm not talking about the little intercept. This, you know the little scouts. I'm talking about the, the basilisks and things like that. So you would have to look at the rewards, which then ties back into the progression system I was mentioned earlier. You have to make it feel as though the player has won, even though their carrier has kind of like been scared off or whatever the mechanic is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Souverine. Um, the uh, j just an observation. Thargoid motherships are mentioned several times in the game itself. In um, uh, in the law, and um, I think they're probably mentioned in the codex and according to uh, audio logs and things. Um, so it's reasonable to assume that we'll get uh, that we'll see Thargoid motherships at some point. Um, potentially Thargoid motherships uh, and Thargoid carriers in the same update as adversaries. Potentially, you need a socking great ship to combat a Thargoid mothership. Yeah, but again, it's the yeah. I, I fall down on Shan's side of it. There, what about the rebuy costs? You know, would you actually then risk, you know, taking one of those things in? And uh, I mean, would you see a carrier in terms of something that just spat out ships, or would you see a carrier in terms of something where you can take all your mates along and have lots of different gun ports and stuff that you would use on it? I don't know. I I, I think that the nature of uh, the nature of Frontier have not typically done big, uh, large scale. Battles between things. You've got the you've got the occasional um, uh, battles between two capital ships, but I I don't think I don't actually I'm not sure that they do still have battles between two capital ships. It's more often than not one capital ship jumps into a, a CG you, and then that's the end of it. Um, you'd need to sort your instancing out, wouldn't you, for that? And yeah, so there's a couple um, of there's a couple of mechanical impediments, but also they, they they haven't typically done big set pieces like that. Like the, even the even the attacks on stations are done over the duration of a server tick, and they're one asset swap for another. So I'm I, I, reliably I'm, I'm reliably informed that Thargoid motherships have an unprotected exhaust port you can hit <laughs> with a snug <laughs> <slug> fighter. <laughs> Yeah, okay, potentially, whatever. Um, Colin, what's your thoughts on this? Well, you know, I mean, having a little bit of experience with the, the, the Gnosis event, I mean, that seems to be um, an ideal mechanic, which you're suggesting. You you have a, a place where only the carrier could go, um, or you announce to your squadron, right, we're, all, we're going to part A. You will basically, the carrier jumps there, it can't jump back until you guys have either defended it or, uh, or or basically gathered the materials for it to come back. But if you're not able to, then effectively it's moved somewhere where somewhere else. It's not destroyed. It's just moved elsewhere, but it's not under threat anymore. Yeah, I'm trying to think about what what the point would be of that. Well, or where the fun uh, was. Show me the fun. Well, the, the point is, is basically this carrier goes to somewhere where uh, basically no one's ever been before. 
right? It's locked off. It, there's a, you know, there, it's a, it's one of these permit lock systems. Polaris. We can go there. Yeah, like Polaris. But then when it gets there, it comes under Thargoid attack, like the Gnosis did. That was actually quite a fun event, as long as you managed to ignore the bugs that happened at the beginning of it. Uh, and then, you know, after a certain time, either you've managed to get enough stuff together to to get away, or effectively the consequence would be that the the your ship has to make an emergency jump uh, somewhere else. So your ship's still safe, but you've lost the event, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and it could be a long walk home. Um, yeah, okay, I could I could see that. Um... I'm just thinking back to that fantastic um, capital ship video we had with the voiceovers and stuff way back when. Um, it would be nice to uh, it'd be nice to do something like that against the Thargoid, you know, where you're taking out, um, you know, guns and you're taking out, um, you know, stuff like that, and uh, doing the same thing on, uh, yeah, even if it's not Thargoids, even doing that against other other player car- uh, carriers would be quite cool. Um, Bear, hold on, uh, Ben. Have you got something to say on this in terms of carriers or not? If not, we'll nothing go to really about has. carriers. Okay, Souverine, just uh, finish us off with carriers. Last comment. Uh, we already have really, really big ships that can that can fight things in game. They are the capital ships owned by the Federation and the Empire. There's no rebuy cost association associated with them because all you can do is route them. So we could potentially do that. Yeah. Okay. That's what cool. I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Um, ben, other things that uh, FD can do? Well, something that we've we've got a surface reconnaissance vehicle, and we've only ever seen the Scarab. Give me a SRV that's more like a tank. Give me an Hell SRV. Yes. Give me an SRV that's more like a speeder bike. Give me a SRV that's a truck. You know, give us varieties of SRVs. Uh, how does that possibly fall into the smaller update? faction i mean surely that's that level of asset plus the you know the amount of time that would go into doing things because there's no point having a speeder bike unless you have some sort of active gameplay that would go along with it in terms of i don't know racing well, i think we already have an active gameplay for you know, just ask alec turner and people like that who go off driving around and scouting out places and you know all you can go off and do is collect materials on it but it'd be an ideal vehicle for zipping around uh moon and yeah. collecting materials, you can't. Yeah. Sure, you can't collect the the one ton canisters, but who cares if that's if you're only looking for materials? Okay, so uh, or the other side of things. I mean, you mentioned Buckyball. Why not? Um, again, I'm not sure how much of a, a small update this would be, but you know, bring in a racing uh, SUV, and then also bring in some dedicated um, racing assets. So, you know, find some decent planets and stuff, and actually make official in-game. Um, maps, as it were, like we've got with CQC, uh, and do uh, yes. do racing in that. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think that's a flick of switch job, but again, it's 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 something that uh, that they could possibly look at. Um, yeah, I'd like a racing SRV, um, and I'd, I'd wanted to play a horn a horn sound in all the nearby SRVs cabin. It goes of hazard when you ride over, and then bits would fall off it, and then mysteriously appear again when you land. And no, mine would have my horn would have to shout out something like "This is pod racing" or something like that. Something really annoying, Ben. Yeah, one thing that was mentioned by, I think it was Tuplex on Twitch, give us some diesel SRVs and we can actually start making our own atmosphere. 
<laughs> no, wasn't, there some, wasn't there something in the law lately which has said that the SLV company's been taken over by a new company, which might mean new uh, vehicles anyway? Yeah, the, um, the, the, the Galnet piece was that Vodil, which is the in, in-law manufacturer of the SRV, was bought by Core Dynamics. It's the only time that I can, rem- that I can remember in the game's history that Vodil being mentioned in Galnet. So... Um, and it and it, it seems to be completely unconnected to any other uh, any other Galnet story thread. Um, Core Dynamics are the other in-law manufacturer of all the um, the Federation ships, and the, and typically make tanky, heavily armoured, um, manoeuvrable ships. So maybe a maybe an SRV tank. Oh, that'd be nice. Or something, just an SRV truck, an SRV that can take something like four to eight tons. That would be great. <laughs> okay, tell me what you're going to do with your SRV tank in terms of gameplay. All right, I, I wouldn't advocate the tank. Um, I think that going back <laughs> to what you were saying about racing um, and, and assets and stuff, um, a simple thing, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a dev, I don't know how simple this would be, but um, uh, it, it seems simple from my position of utter ignorance. Um, deployable race markers uh, that last for as long as the instance lasts, uh, that you deploy, they sit on the ground, they shine a a beam up to the sky that you can use to delineate a racetrack. That would create so much gameplay, and it would be what Shan calls cardboard box gameplay, which is players making their own fun rather than doing scripted um, scripted theme park stuff that, um, that that takes a lot of dev time and, and dev assets. Yeah, I mean, could they not just record uh, SRVs going through one gate and coming out the other and posting on a big one of the big sort of billboards that we have outside stations something similar with who has the you know the fastest time around the lap uh, i That'd mean that great. Would, that would get your uh, your name up and a bit of notoriety and and that in itself might be enough to uh, be a reward for people it's um driving through gateways isn't one of the events that frontier log it's not it's not like a transaction or anything so it'd be I, I, that 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 strikes me as being probably harder than just deployable race markers that players then have to organize and, and lay out and measure themselves. Um, but, you know, either would be great. All right. Well, let's tie that up. Let's leave that uh, that particular discussion point until, uh, well, I'm sure we'll come back to it before 2020. It would be nice to actually revisit and see if any of us were actually right or, you know, if anybody makes any suggestions uh on uh, on social media over the next coming week by all means you know shove some stuff on our facebook page or you know email us info at laveradio.com and uh, if you've only got any good ideas of what these you know five to seven small updates might be before 2020 then uh, yeah send them in to us and uh, and we'll read them out on the uh, on the next show uh, but at the moment what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll head to an advert and when we come back we will jump into community corner eddie lee wise here Our family-run business looks after all your sartorial needs. Whether you need something to turn your pink python purple, or you want to wrap your buns up in a nice tight flight suit, Millsburn Ken can sort you right out. He's an expert at inside leg, and my wife Barb's is a whiz with a sewing machine. Bespoke tarting for you and your ship. Visit Eddie and Sons, plus my daughters, at Lave Station. Right, sir. Cough, please. <coughs> Want to tour the frontier? Travel with Colmac Reeve and our new fleet of passenger Starliners. We've opened up the universe for a range of budgets. Option one, luxury. My husband and I like to travel in comfort. The new luxury cabins were like a home away from home. After all, one's home is a castle. Option two, 
First class. We'd saved up a bit for a really special trip. The first class cabins were like nothing we've travelled in before. Really luxurious. Option three. Travel cabin. We would a trip with Cormac Reeves' monthly lotto. A travel cabin for two on a starliner around the solar system. Once in a lifetime for us. Simply amazing. Option four. Basic accommodation. Me and my mates just wanted to hitch around the universe. It's so great that we have the option of getting a really cheap cabin to see the sights. It saved us loads. And for the budget conscious and slaves, we have our cheapest option yet. Well, I needed it. And we won't sell any of those frozen passengers into slavery. I promise. Call Mac Reeves all budget tours. Seeing the galaxy from luxury to freezing tubes. Okay, and let's finish off this show with Community Corner. The first one I think uh, would be nice considering it is actually, um, um, well, you can see by the those people that are watching on Twitch, you can see by our, our change of icon to the rainbow banner. Uh, we have got the, um, the LGBT, I knew I was going to mess that up. Anyway, the, uh, the lesbian, Thank gay, you. bisexual, trans um, uh, awareness week. So uh, we, like Frontier here, are fully supportive of the wonderful different um people <laughs> associations or whatever we have within uh, within the elite dangerous community the nice thing about the elite dangerous community is that there is certainly a lovely mix of players that come in from all different walks of life uh and you know through the elite dangerous game yeah everybody just gets on um, and certainly we see that at LaveCon, again, we have lots of different uh, people from, as I say, lots of different walks of life. And yeah, it's just a really nice family atmosphere. And I just wish that the, the rest of the world could be a little bit similar. Um, so the first shout out is going to be to Sarah. Uh, Commander Simulator, um, and he has a plan to raise awareness for trans issue through um, participation in the iRacing Leagues. Uh, this is the most respected simulation for motorsports and includes drivers such as uh, Max Verstappen and Lando Norris. Um, she needs some donations to help you, to help her rather, to bring her story to a wider audience and uh, try and break some stereotypes along the way. Uh, any donations that she receives will be used to pay the fees to enter into these leagues. Um, so if you can spare her a pound uh, or send her some supports, she has got a PayPal uh, pool set up, which the link will be in our show notes. Uh, so please check uh, the show notes out for that one. Um, or you can support her on a Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv forward slash simulator. And that simulator spelled S-Y-M-U later, S-Y-M-U later, simulator, uh, where you can see her compete in some of these races as well. So uh, please do go and check her out and show her the, you know, the support the Elite Dangerous community can offer. Uh, the next topic from Community Corner, uh, I was I spent a, a bit of time uh, checking in on this and, and watching the stream today. Uh, and that was the... Um, the hacking protest or the cheap it the cheaping <laughs> the cheating protest at jameson uh, memorial in uh, shinrata desre um where on uh, on sunday um commander nick naylor in a beluga uh, basically blocked up uh blocked up the uh, the mail shots at uh, jameson's memorial um 
and he was using the various hacks and stuff that we've all become aware of over the last few weeks to to make himself invincible so if you've ever got a beluga stuck inside the mail shot you know it can be quite tricky for uh, for you to get out or also for anybody else to get you out um so he had one of those jammed it well shut in the mail shots and then turned on his invincibility and obviously station lasers couldn't stop him people crashing into him couldn't stop him people tried all sorts of stuff like mines and missiles and you know bumping him through um but uh, he was there for a long time and his ship was called the community of elites and the idea was he was protesting against the cheats in elite dangerous uh guys what do you reckon to this? Do you think it was um, just? Do you think it was? Uh, I, if it was a worthwhile protest, or do you think it was just a yeah, something? I I, 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 I I completely sympathise with the thought behind it, but I do think it was a bit self-defeating because, I, and I know the commander has said, you know, I've, I've had two thousand hours in my account, I've done all this, and I'm prepared to risk it because it's such an important mission to me. So I completely get that, but. I'm not sure it will turn out the way people would like it to. I mean, uh, if you wanted to blockade something, the best play, best thing to blockade is blockade the bar at Lavecon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be allowed. That would be a very short protest, I can assure you. Well, yes, but you would get Frontier's attention <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> um, what, are you suggesting that Frontier you know didn't get attention uh, didn't uh, have this brought to their attention i know certainly whilst it was going on lots of people were actually contacting uh, frontier development they, they were but they they they're not going to make a public comment on it no of course um not. so uh, you know they'll think oh yes well you know this guy and this guy i'm just not sure frontier are that sort of company to respond aggressively to cheaters well, no, but they did respond aggressively to this guy. So that's another thing that came out of this story was that uh, his account was given a, an instant lifetime ban for what he did. Uh, whereas normally for a first offence, uh, you would normally get a three-day ban and it, and it goes up in steps. But, uh, unless, yeah, but they uh, should then do that to everyone. I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's go back in history for a bit. The, the engineer exploit, people did that over 5,000 times. Mm-hmm. And just got the modules taken away. You know, they, they, if you're going to ban a person for doing it once permanently, and you put it on stream, then therefore you then have to apply the same punishment to everyone else. And not just that, you can't rely on the person who got banned to tell them. You have to say, we are we have banned 1,500 people for using this cheat this week. Don't need to name them. We just said we have perma banned these this many people this week, and we are ongoing and our investigations, blah, blah, blah. You just need to tell people and give a number so people think, oh, crumbs, Frontier are really on this, rather than just having a token victim. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do think the inconsistency aspect of it was uh, you know, it was quite harsh. Uh, Souverain, what do you reckon? Uh, a friend of mine said on the forum about this, um, uh, he, it was a quote, I can't remember who the original quote was. It's not enough that justice be done. It is, um, you have to, uh, justice has to be seen to be done. Mm -hmm. It's not, it, it's not enough to, to just ban people and then, and then reassure everybody that don't worry, we're, we're, we're doing the right thing, even though you can't see it. Justice has to be publicly seen to be done so that everybody knows the playing field is, is level. That is true in any sphere. Um, and people take Elite Dangerous quite seriously as, as, as a cohort do with every MMO. 
Um, and it's, so it's important for the health of the community that justice is seen to be done. Um, I also know that um, uh, people people caught out for botting, um, which is just as illegal according to the EULA, um, have been given uh, bans of um, a few a month, I think, um, a, a few days, and then and then thirty days, I think. Um, whereas this was was permanent right off the bat, so that's an inconsistency right there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, the inconsistency thing is the thing I'd like uh, Frontier to actually explain more than anything else. Um, Frontier would argue, obviously, that they can't do anything uh, public in terms of justice because it might give people an insight into how they're actually you know, working to, uh, to, to combat the cheaters and stuff. But, I mean, would it be enough, based on what you're saying, to say that, you know, we have banned this many people permanently, this many people, you know, for a month? And would that be enough justice being seen to be done? I think so. Yeah, um, I, it, it, it's about um, it's about demonstrating your attitude to the problem. I think uh, so, so. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but yeah, definitely. If there was a if there was a monthly tally or a, or a even a biannual one of we've taken we've taken this action against this many players, this action against this many players, this action against this many many players. We remind all players that these things are completely banned. Don't do them, or or you'll lose your account. That would that would seem a pretty robust approach, I think. Okay, Ben. We also have to remember that pretty much every other MMO company go off and say we went off and banned n thousand cheaters, and they none of them get hassle about it. And you know, yes, okay, the people there may be some false positives, um, and there might be there might be some cases, but. I don't see EA or Blizzard or whoever it is who makes that game that Shan occasionally plays. Um, uh, Arena Net Guild Wars 2. That's and, I'm gonna, <laughs> and I'm going to mention... I'm, uh, and I'm going to mention... Take your drink now. <laughs> I am actually going to mention uh, Arena Net after Ben's finished because so, how they dealt with, with exploits and stuff but like that. Lead in because I, I was actually feeding into that shant, so you can tell the story better than I can. Okay. Um, two weeks after Guild Wars 2 launched back in 2012, um, players found an exploit where they could get um, high end max weapons through um through taking a quest and cancelling anybody they're using an exploit within the game mechanics to get gear they shouldn't have had so two weeks after the um the game was launched so it's right in peak player time arena net banned three thousand players uh for doing this and their basic response was you know the game is not supposed to work this way you knew full well it was an exploit and you did it again and again and again, so you banned. And they did that to 3,000 people. <sighs> Meow. A couple of weeks later, they, uh, there was lots of players um, creating offensive names for characters, and I won't go into what they said, but ArenaNet took the unusual step at the time to publish uh, people whining to them from their tickets. So they would, So some player would say, why? Why did you ban? Why did you ban my player? I called it something really offensive, and it was it's, it's it was a joke. You know, we were mucking about, and an arena said, "You called it this. You knew the rules. Tough. Buy another copy." And they actually repeated in a Reddit post what they'd actually said to the players. 
to kind of get the message across to us. We're serious about this. This is how this is how we detect things, and this is the logs we've got. And the other thing they did was it was a very public um, cheater and exploiter that had got so many complaints. They decided to take personal action against him, and what they did was they transported his character to the main hub and um, froze him in place so he couldn't run away and then publicly stripped his character naked of all his gear, dropped all his gear on the ground so all the other players could run around and nick it, and then banned him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's definitely one way of handling it. (laughs) Ben, do you want to come in at that point? I was just going to tell the same story that Shan did, but... We have. Ha- I've seen one case where Brett C made a personal response to somebody who was whining about Frontier banning him on the on the Steam forums, mm-hmm. and he basically he went off and responded like, "No, this is not why you were banned. This is why you were banned. These are the exact <laughs> things that you did. That's why you got banned. You're being a twat. Now, fuck off." <laughs> but wouldn't I mean being funny, but wouldn't wouldn't the community really appreciate that kind of openness? Yes. Not so that like yes. you absolutely, language. absolutely. Uh, and I, so you know, Frontier, come on, why aren't you doing this? We would all have a good laugh, and it would give people a pause and thinking, "Oh God, I'm not really going to do this because I'll get humiliated." Well, Brett's got so about... much positive responses from his response; it was amazing. It doesn't even, that sounds quite a, a labor intensive way of doing it, but e- even like, and slightly jokes aside, but like it, I, I think the response to a more, to, to being a bit more um, strict would, would, would be overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's, there's a couple of points I want to sort of jump on there. The first one is that, you know, we've already touched on the fact that uh, Frontier would be quite concerned about their public image you know, and want to try and protect that. So mentioning things about cheaters and banners, obviously it's the darker sides of of, uh, of MMOs, which, you know, if you were doing the marketing and stuff for, for the organization, you wouldn't really want uh, news stories to be about that, uh, about your game. You'd want to try and keep that as, as far away from mainstream media as you possibly could. Um, the other yeah, one but... is on, sorry, I was going to say, because uh, we are running out of time, but the other one is on, um, on the humiliation front, which... Uh, just doing a bit of digging whilst we've been chatting, there was a, a great post from um, CCP, obviously the guys who run Eve Online, uh, and they did a, a really nice sort of uh, overview, a pie chart of uh, people, number of people banned, and which of the you know, alliances within the game they were actually from. Uh, just to basically humiliate or point out, you know, which of the alliances have the largest number of cheaters or bots or, you know, people that have been banned from the game. And, you know, I know it's a different mechanic in Elite Dangerous. You don't really have the same sort of, uh, of setup, but, you know, it would be it would be an interesting way of trying to, uh, you know, find a way of humiliating people. I don't think name and shame, because obviously we've all got our commander names and stuff. I don't think that really works. Um, with our Elite Dangerous, but you know, to get some way of making it visible, as Souverine said, in terms of making sure that you know, people see that justice is being done. I'm not sure I'd do the pie chart because there are certain groups in-game who would aim to be the the most top. exploiting. Yeah. yeah, let's use the league table. Yeah. It's a good example of how other, how other developers treat the issue in their online games, though. I think yeah. there, there's, a, there's a strain of thought, which is that, um, oh, you've 
you've got to um, got to give Frontier the benefit of the doubt because of X or that there's nothing else that they can do. But actually, there are lots of other companies that run big, successful online games and handle them completely differently. And this is a really good example of where there are lessons to be learned elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to bring this to uh, this particular topic to an end, guys. Anybody got any final thoughts they want to jump in on before we do? Um, yes. Can, can, can I? Can, can they outsource? the banning of players because i'm sure all of us on live radio have players we'd love to ban i have a, a massive <laughs> ban hammer here which i stroke on a on a daily oh well, that, that's sounding dodgy let's not go down the route. um <laughs> it's not that but much. yes uh, it's, it's not the that kind much. of hammer that you can only stroke if you're worthy <laughs> more of a chisel i think all right okay guys i mean shut what up. i would do well, what up. i would do i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't try to ban people what i would do is i would um create a, a detention center at beagle point or slightly beyond beagle point <laughs> put them in put them in a detention center in a sidewinder with no fuel scoop <laughs> And docked, so there was uh, with no shipyard, so they've got no way back. And the only thing they can do is keep in that system like forever, <laughs> like, like an angry wasp in a jam jar, you know. The elite dangerous version of Australia is basically what you're saying there, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Well, let's let's uh, let's go from sort of the dark side of elite dangerous uh, to uh, to a lighter side in our final point in community corner, uh, and that is. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, yes. Um, something that we saw pop up last week, which was um, uh, a video uh, that one of the members of the community had done, uh, where it was basically a full rendering of his imagination of the interior of a Sidewinder. It was a walk inside my ship concept. Uh, and if you give me two seconds to click on the YouTube link, that will be in the uh, in the show notes. I can tell you exactly um, who it is. It is um frj um uh, on youtube so foxtrot romeo and then little j uh and it said yeah take a walk inside a sidewinder in this one-of-a-kind first-person perspective 3d rendered concept animation uh interior layout is based on my sidewinder interior box edition video it took nine months of his life in his spare time to get all the details uh model properly and working properly um yeah and it took a um it took around about a month of uh, GPU time in terms of doing all the ray tracing. Uh, in terms of immersing yourself in the game of Elite Dangerous, before we have space legs, uh, this video was absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, full credit to this guy for, for putting in so much time on creating it. Um, you know, it opens up, it's, it's in a bit, the sidewinders in the field, there's some trees in the background. And, you know, the idea is obviously you're landing on an atmospheric planet and then he comes and walks into the sidewinder in the same way that I'm sure we've all imagined that, uh, you know, that we, uh, that we do before we, uh, we take off in a space station and stuff. It's, it is, it is amazing things to watch and anybody watching it from frontier, I would definitely be sending a little letter. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he needs to speed up his his turnaround time if he's going to work for Frontier Developments. But yeah, the guy has got obvious talents, and uh, I would highly recommend that uh, you know if you're listening to this that you you check out the show notes and you and you go and see the uh, the video. What did you guys think of it? Oh, it's brilliant. It's really really good. Uh, I loved it. It was um, the the moment when the doors opened. I was just like, oh god, I can't wait for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, if anything makes you excited for space legs, it, it's got to be this. Um, 
yeah, the, the idea of sort of walking around and seeing all these uh, extra extra cabins in the ship, you know, where you would actually sleep, the docking bay, the actual, uh, yeah, the SRV um, printer and things like that, uh, all of which has been mapped out. It's a really, really nice thing to uh, to watch. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, it really is. It Full really credit. is great. Yeah, the, the bit on the grass reminded me of the uh, splash page of Ed Lewis's biscuit review. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, he maybe hasn't put as much in, uh, uh, much time in the uh, in the outside field bit as the inside, but uh, the inside is certainly uh, quite uh, uh, quite impressive. Uh, looking at our show notes as well, I don't know who's added these on. Whoever it is can can chip in. But suppose he's actually done, you know, the Anaconda, the Cobra Mark III, the Chieftain, and the Type Seven as well. Um, which again, we'll have the links for those in the uh, in the show notes. That's um, um, those are the young munging uh, things. Yeah, those are slightly different videos. I think those are the videos of um, the like wireframe models showing where the where the where the interior components would be. So slightly okay, no, no fuzzers, no. Is he? Right. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Fuzzers munging two different posts together. Uh-huh. So <laughs> well, the first I one is all about these ship these ship videos. Uh-huh. Um and he has actually done a whole lot of other videos which are showing how he designed the interior of the SRV in of the Sidewinder and things like that. He's done some other videos too, but that's the first he's done those videos. Yeah, the videos that I think you're on about, Fuzzer is uh, Commander the Pilot has yes. gone off and done an advert. It's like an advert for the Python, basically. And it's just, it's a glorious, funny video, essentially selling the Python as to why you'd want it. <laughs> and then, well, I, I blame, I'm just looking at the, the show notes, and I'm blaming whoever it is, and I'm assuming it's you, Ben, that wrote it. So we've done this well, thing no about the does. Sidewinder volunteer. That's a good point. I shouldn't shut, I should shut up. Um, but then you went on to say the pilot has done another awesome video, this time about the Python. But I didn't realise that we were yeah, talking about the pilot as a person's name, <laughs> as yes, opposed to the pilot from the uh, from the last video. Indeed. So I think I can be forgiven for uh, for cocking that one up as royally as I have done. <laughs> I, I think we'll allow that, yes. But cool. he's done a whole lot of awesome videos too. Yeah, well, again, these are all in the show notes, folks. So uh, if you're listening to our cock-ups, then just go to the show notes and, uh, and uh, check out the links there for the actual videos themselves. So, both the uh, the videos done by the pilot and also the video done by um by frj uh, well worth checking out um and that's just about it has anybody else got anything for community corner that they want to put in any shout outs they want to you know, call out before we uh, we draw this episode to a close no okay well i'll take your radio silence as meaning that's it so it is indeed it for another episode of lave radio if you'd like to get in touch with the show then of course you can email info at laveradio.com forward slash uh no try again facebook.com forward slash lave radio we are at lave radio on twitter or you can join our discord chat channel by going to discord.io forward slash lave radio the show goes out live on a tuesday evening at 8 30 uh uk time and it was streamed out on laveradio.com forward slash live and of course on twitch.tv forward slash lave radio all that's left for me to do is to thank Suvreen for joining us for ben colin and of course the wonderful shan and the tech monkey behind the scenes keeping all the wheels rolling uh commander ventura thank you very much indeed until next time guys fly safe And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
4th of June 3305. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, silver slaughtered by Kincaid henchmen, superglued to the toast rack, coming to a planet near you. Silver slaughtered by Kincaid henchmen. The Alliance Interpol has acted after a private investigation agency hired by the sister of murdered Alliance presidential candidate Fazia Silva, named a senior naval official with close ties to President Kincaid as the murderer. Wallglass Investigations Agency was hired by Tashmira Silva, now the CEO of Silva Holdings Incorporated, to investigate the mysterious locked room murder of Candidate Silva at her home at Hume Orbital in Mullag last year. Having identified the hired assassin who'd been trained by the Alliance Defence Force prior to his current career move, Wallglass painstakingly constructed a trail of evidence that led them back to Admiral Yamamoto, the most senior admiral in the Zeance fleet of the ADF, as the person who both ordered the killing and who paid for it. This is the same Admiral Yamamoto who is a close personal friend of Kincaid, and who handed over control of the Zeance fleet to President Kincaid last week. The Alliance Interpol has taken Yamamoto into custody, pending further investigations, and the Zeance fleet has been placed under control of the Council of Admirals, something that may cause tensions in the Zeance system. At the time of Silva's poisoning, then-presidential candidate Kincaid described Silva's murder as an attack on democracy, and used it as a demonstration that the Alliance needed a stronger leader such as himself. 
If it could be proved that the President was aware of Yamamoto's actions, or even that he himself demanded the elimination of one of his rivals, if the Alliance President is caught holding a smoking gun, then even the most incompetent, ineffective superpower in the galaxy must surely, finally, be forced to take action to impeach the President. Superglued to the toast rack. A protesting commander blocked the station entrance at Jameson Memorial for nearly two hours on Sunday, preventing ships from entering or leaving. Commander Nick Naylor of the Freelancers Alliance superglued his beluga to the toast rack at 7pm Galactic Standard Time and was eventually pushed out at 8.50 by a cutter that had grown impatient. Despite a sustained and prolonged barrage from Jameson Memorial's weaponry, the beluga appeared undamaged. It then mysteriously evaporated, leaving behind a high-wake signature despite being stationary and mass-locked at the time. In a later interview with Commander Plater, Commander Naylor explained that he was protesting about commanders who use unfair means to make their ships invincible. He is believed to have made his ship invincible for the protest, so in a very real sense, he was protesting against himself. Coming to a planet near you. Commanders have been treated to a video showing a sidewinder. It includes a walking tour of the interior, including the hold, including the stowed SRV and the cabin, including bunk and bed, but no shower or other bathing or toilet facilities, explaining why sidewinder pilots are so smelly. More significantly, the Sidewinder is parked in pastureland, surrounded by a buzzing swarm of flies, no doubt attracted by the smelly pilot, on what can only be described as a remarkably Earth-like world. Could this be a sign that the Pilots' Federation is finally relenting on the prohibition of spacers from atmospheric planets? We look forward to further tours and information from Commander Thrust of Bradford. In related news, Lave Radio has been holding a competition to find the scruffiest chip in the galaxy, to make their own orange sidewinder look less bad by comparison. However, they forgot to post any rules, or even a closing date. They probably forgot to say what the prize was, too. And in further related news, the Lave Radio Network is reported to be sad that it was unable to arrange an interstellar initiative to coincide with their annual conference, LaveCon. The next interstellar initiative will instead be starting at about the same time as LaveCon and will be called the Enclave and is nothing whatsoever to do with Lave. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.